Okay, back here. Very excited to be joined by uh, Professor Kathy Cahill, right? That's right. And Jimmy Parrish. Yep. We're going to talk about, I like that, very very succinct. Uh, we're going to talk about drones. So Chad Hutchinson from the University of Alaska set this up, and um, you guys are, I guess, kind of the drone people. You're in Juneau for the drones, right? We are. We're here for Alaska Aerospace Day today. So... Talk a little bit about your, you said you've been with the university for a long, long time, 20, 23 years? I've been there for 23 years now. I came up as an assistant professor of chemistry, um, although my background actually is applied physics and atmospheric science. I'm an air pollution expert. And sounds, I got, sounds pretty, sounds pretty smart. <laughs> I got suckered into doing unmanned aircraft because I wanted a vertical distribution of air pollution because um, I was looking at it transporting around the world. And so I started building air samplers for unmanned aircraft, and the next thing I knew, I'm leading the program. And then, Jimmy, you said you from Fairbanks, but you're kind of new. You're, are you relative, you're new to the to the drone stuff, or? <clears throat> yeah, I'm, I'm relatively new to the, the drone industry. It, it's not really my background. I I kind of got started in public policy um, back in the day, and working with Kathy on some various projects. She brought me along and onto the team about six years ago. But so I'm new to this. Relatively new to this. So, so I saw the press release. You mentioned the Alaska Aerospace Day. So talk a little bit about what that, what that is right now, what's going on with all of the aerospace and aviation things happening. So this was a great opportunity for us to present to the Senate uh, Labor and Commerce Committee uh, during an hour and a half hearing that really focused on some of the key things happening in aerospace in Alaska. So it was us presenting on drones. It was uh, uh, Professor Director Bob McCoy talking about the Geophysical Institute and all the uh, aerospace activities that are occurring there. And then it was uh, the president of the um, Alaska, um, they changed their name recently. Aerospace Corporation. Aerospace Corporation, thank you. Um, And the Pacific uh, Launch Complex, talking about the aerospace opportunities Kodiak. Exactly. I really want to see, so Louise Stewart's a speaker. She's lives down there, and I, keep, I, I tell her I want to see a launch one day. Well, apparently there's next launch window is uh, March 13th through 15th. It's coming up then. It's coming up. I really want, I really want to see one of those. So, so when you now, you, I want to talk about what you know the commercial applications of drones because, as we said before we started, you know, I hear drone. I'm thinking four, five, six years. But you said, I mean, 2001. 2001, we started doing airspace for them for um, some of the you know, National Science Foundation and NASA efforts. So we were involved in doing the airspace to bring basically a predator that had been converted to civilian mm-hmm. from California all the way to Alaska and so, down to King Salmon. So I think now when we hear drone, we think of these little things you can buy for a thousand bucks or maybe some, sometimes more expensive, but there's like the predator drones, which, I mean, those go back to, you think Afghanistan and Iraq. Mm-hmm. I mean, those were being very, but, but, but I, th- I think the word drone has come to, for most of us, mean this little thing you can go and t- take videos with my friend, Kale Green. I think you guys know he's been doing, a lot of drone work and he was early into it and we did some videos back in as early as 2017 2017 18 even 16 we were doing some drone stuff and back then i feel like it was kind of a little wild west as far as the airspace goes and now even the even the software and some of these things you it won't even let you fly in certain areas i think if you're if you're going by the software right that is absolutely correct it's referred to as geofencing they want to make sure that you are not going to launch in an area where you could cause damage or interfere with somebody else's operations so where you aren't allowed to fly, you know, nuclear power plants, you know, over bridges. You know. well, which really kind of, obviously that makes sense. But what frustrates me is we were trying to, we made a video last summer, a, a 
follow-up to a homeless video we did in 2019 called This is Anchorage. And we did a follow-up, This is Still Anchorage. And we were at one of the homeless camps that was very big, and it was over there um, in Mountain View, kind of by the base, and, and we couldn't fly there. Like, we couldn't get near it, you know? And I'm thinking, well, that's not, I mean, we want to just get some, <laughs> but it's by the base, right? So that was kind of off limits. And, and that's the concern, is there are some national security issues. You want to make sure that you don't have somebody spying on your base, spying on your people, um, that every drone that is operating in that area is being operated by somebody you know and trust, as opposed to having people being able to fly randomly there and you don't know who they are. Right now, J- Jimmy, you were, so you, Kathy, you're at the university, but you're with, in this kind of acronym, you got to tell me the acronym again. So, so we're both with the university. It's just a, a quasi is the Alaska Center for Unmanned Aircraft Systems Integration. So we're just a division of, of the Geophysical Institute at the university. When did that start? Back in 2001. Back in 2001. Oh, it's also 2001. Yeah, yeah. So, so what are some of the applications? I mean, I'm thinking, you know, this huge day, the pipeline, search and risk. I mean, what are some of the applications of drones? I know Amazon's been talking about dropping so things off. You're definitely hitting on all of those that, that we're looking at, and we're really at the forefront of, of what you're talking about. So for Alaska, cargo delivery, large platform cargo delivery, you know, servicing rural Alaska, moving big-time cargo in and out of villages so we can start to look at things like, as Dr. Cahill mentioned earlier, reducing the cost of diapers and milk in the villages, you know, those necessities that's really driving up the cost and making it hard to live in rural Alaska. So that's not like a, a fun drone. That's like a big, it's a huge drone. Yeah, like we're, we're really looking at, you know, taking existing aircraft right now and, and optionally piloting them. So you take a, a Cessna 208 caravan and and uh, allowing it to fly itself, essentially. Whoa. Yeah. And we're going to be doing that soon. So, in mm-hmm. fact, the companies are doing that now. We've got three of the major companies uh, looking to fly this summer off of Fairbanks International Airport. So how much of this requires like the FAA? Because, I mean, the state doesn't really, the FAA controls the airspace. Right? We're hand-in-hand so. hand with the FAA on this. So there are three major programs inside the FAA, and we lead all of them in terms of an Alaska component. So there's the test site. There's seven in the country. We lead one of them. There's the BEYOND program. To test, re- what do you mean test site for? It's a test site for unmanned aircraft systems, so basically drones. And it is designed to help you do the test and evaluation of commercial systems to get them into the airspace safely. So it's a case where we have capabilities and personnel who can evaluate your system, help you do the testing and get the data needed to prove to the FAA it's safe and get it certified. Then we have the BEYOND program, which is designed to look at the flying beyond your pilot's line of sight which right now the FAA is against because they don't want something out of the pilot's line of sight to run into something. You can't Mm -hmm. do what general aviation does, which is see and avoid. So we are working on developing the technologies to be able to do those longer missions beyond visual line of sight, and this program is designed to help us. And then we also lead, we're one of the 15 core schools in the FAA's Center of Excellence for UAS Research, uh, which goes by the name of Assure, and we're doing safety research for the FAA on technologies and uh, concepts of operations. How do you use a drone safely if you happen to be operating at the airport? So it's, those are three major programs. We are key in all of them. I sit on the Advanced Aviation Advisory Committee, and we were just part of an aviation rulemaking committee. I mean, the technology already exists. I mean, a lot of the commercial aircraft has autopilot. I mean, the plane can take off and land by, I mean, the pilots still fly a lot, but I mean, the technology is kind of already there for this. I mean, when you're talking about the caravan, I mean, is that somebody, is that a computer programmed or is that somebody flying it remotely? No, that's going to be a computer box flying it. Wow. With yeah. just car- We're going to start with a guy in the cockpit monitoring the system and everything like that, like a safety pilot. But yeah, eventually, you know, the, the goal is to you know, remove the pilot from that aircraft. 
And so in, initially, there will be a, a human in the loop. That you know, the aircraft will be getting monitored. You've got somebody who's paying attention to it. They can take control if necessary. But the end state is people really want it to be completely autonomous. This is just initially for cargo, but could it be? Because there's a there's the autonomous car thing. Which here, here's where I come into that. Like I understand the statistics. You know, you're you're like far less likely to get in an accident. But I mean, I think we all like that control. Like we're holding the wheel. Like I'm driving the car. I'm not sitting in the so for for air. I think that might be a really t- for civilian. You know, for commercial passenger, that might be a tough. It, so it is, but you start to look at the applications in the lower 48 and, and, and the necessity for regional uh, urban air mobility and the congestions that they have down in lower 48. The, the lower 48 is actively pursuing these kind of fixes for their congestion problems. And so those applications up here in Alaska, when you look at getting to regional airports around Alaska, has a really good application. But you're right. The, Moving people is going to take time. Uh, initially, we want to look at the cargo. Those are that's the that's the big need. Also, things like fire support, um, monitoring monitoring Trans Alaska Pipeline, things like that. The, the, the critical infrastructure, lar- large um, monitoring. Uh, um, I mean, even like you know, the, you mentioned the fires. We, yep. We've had several summers of big earth, earthquake. I mean, the roads got you know taken out. Natural um, disaster response is a huge, huge application that we can really, really. Um, bolster here in Alaska with UAS support. So how many, how many, I mean, has there been any, now there's so many of these little drones going around and people are, are using those. And then there's obviously some of the bigger ones, the more expensive, has, has there been any close calls or has there been any like problems with like smaller plant and smaller? I haven't really heard of any, but I'm sure there has been some there've incidents. Been, there've been a couple of small incidents. Um, so far, no major um, fatalities, no major, you know, any injuries whatsoever that I've, that I've heard about. Now, of course, we want to make sure that that never happens. And that's where the FAA comes in is they're very, very concerned. You want to make sure that there is never a manned unmanned aircraft collision. And that's why they're being so cautious in developing these rules and making sure that we have the technology on board the aircraft that we can do these operations and never cause a collision. I mean, the, the, a lot of the commercial aircraft, especially all the you know, airliners, but even some of the smaller ones, they have the collision avoidance stuff system. And we're really working with those companies to develop that out, especially not just for, you know, the unmanned world, but really we look at this as creating safer airspace for Alaska, all of Alaska. When you look at how deficient we are in, in our rural infrastructure when it comes to safe aviation, you know, if we can bolster up what we're doing, we really see the benefits for manned aviation as well. So so what's the, what's the selling point for like a caravan, for example, with no pilot is just human life's not in danger if the weather's bad or is it just easier obviously it's easier to if nobody's is required to be in the seat they can just fly it yeah so first off no humans involved which can make it safer but the other thing is you can now remove all of those safety systems needed to keep the pilot comfortable and in intact so you've got a lot of weight in the pilot seat and the steering wheels and all of those other components that you no longer need so you actually save a fair amount of weight on the aircraft and you can use that to Bring in more cargo. And, and theoretically, now you can you can look at it as moving more cargo. We know we're running into pilot shortages. We're running into personnel shortages. You can overnight double the amount of, of cargo you can move. Uh, just on that aspect, we also look at this as a, as a way to extend um, pilots' careers, too, because there's going to be a real need for their knowledge, uh, even if they're not in the, mm-hmm. the cockpit. I'm using that in air quotes itself. So... This is this is looking at prolonging, really prolonging the pilot's career, and then also making a safer airspace. Well, you're absolutely time. right. I mean, there's been a huge shortage of. There's been a big push to recruit people to 
um, start flying because some of these regional and even national uh, carriers are having a really hard time finding pilots. Yep. And the pilots we have here in Alaska, they know the winds in Rainy Pass. You know, they know what Isabel Pass looks like. That knowledge on where you might want to fly your aircraft through, no computer model is going to capture that in the meteorology. That's something that the pilot's knowledge is still incredibly valuable for. Have you, have you guys seen the um, video it was floating around social media a while back? And it was basically a big, huge drone this guy built, I think. And he was, he was in a seat and he was flying it. It was kind of like a drone. It was, had, had probably eight blades and he was flying it not very high 20 30 feet have you seen that i don't, I don't know i've definitely seen it yeah. i mean it's wild it's like a it's like basically a huge drone and this this dude's sitting in it and he's got these controls and he lifts and it's i'm thinking like is that going to be a, is that going to be a thing potentially it is with some of the urban air mobility um and we've seen multiple different you know configurations that people are developing with multiple rotors versus a fixed wing versus all of the being able to transition between the two so it is definitely a thing, and he was probably flying illegally by the FAA standards. Oh yeah, it was like somebody's like big park in their you know backyard or something. I mean, it was huge. I think you've seen the video, right? Big, mm-hmm. A big you know field of grass, and the guy was like looked terrified. Other one I've seen. This is not really a drone, but these new these jetpacks now are starting to become a thing with military you know capabilities or military applications, and they're getting. Have you seen that video from the boat? They yeah, I've seen, I've seen in, that one in, yeah. in Britain, and they get. I mean, that's like. It's like fut- very futuristic stuff. Yes. It's very, very futuristic, and it is very, very dangerous in a congested airspace. Because if we don't know where you are, we can't avoid you. And even think about it, if you're even if you're 30 or 40 feet in the ground and there's a little problem, I mean, boop, that's, that's going to be not good. Mm-hmm. So, so what what is the state? Is there stuff the state needs to do to act the, on this or the, not really? The, like- the state has actually been really great partners in, uh, with us. Um, we've, the governor's office has actually been really supportive. We've got a great partnership with the state of Alaska DOT right now and, and really helping us build out what we think are the critical needs for Alaska and where we can make the biggest impact, uh, not just in Alaska, but then in the lower 48 as well. Because Alaska isn't just a player in this. We're a leader in this, and, and we really think we can lead the nation on, on drone applications. And so a lot of what we're trying to do here and part of our message here is we really need to build the workforce for all aspects of this. Because you're going to have to have people who turn the aircraft around in the villages. You're going to need to have people who run businesses. You're going to need to have operators. You want to have people who develop the payloads. So you're going to need a whole range of people. The engineers, right? The the list goes on and on. So we really see a really good opportunity for Alaska to, to... to build its economy, find it, find another way to build its economy. So, I mean, it seems like it's still a pretty nascent industry. Where, where, I mean, where are we now? Where could it, I mean, where do you think it could end up being in five or 10 years? If we play this right, we're going to be doing billions of dollars worth of operations across the nation in the not too distant future. And it is going to be everything from uh, some package delivery doorstep to doorstep in highly uh, urban areas to doing longer range cargo we think a lot of the missions we're concerned about in Alaska are going to be the first to be approved because we have very limited ground risk in terms of we're not going to wipe out a school full of kids um, because mm-hmm. there aren't any schools full of kids between, you know, Fairbanks and Circle. So it's a yeah, like you're flying over, you know, California. Or right. We, we might exactly. hit some moose or caribou. So, you know. <laughs> yeah. So um, for us, we really think that Alaska will be the leader. And people are telling the folks who want to do the, you know, the cutting edge stuff. If you're going to do it in the United States and you want to get in early, you go to Alaska. They said either Africa or Alaska. 
And so when we get that two wildly different places, <laughs> but but with some very similar applications um, mm-hmm. in in terms of remote remote support, um, it, and you look at things like medical supply delivery. We're we're actually doing a a delivery with Merck Pharmaceuticals uh, here the first week of May um, with Alakak and Alatna uh, when the river breaks up, so we can do medical trans or medical supplies between the two villages. Um, is this an unmanned or a drone? Unmanned, a drone delivering. So with, with Merck Pharmaceuticals, and Merck really wants to make a big impact in Alaska. Um, and so that's what we're finding uh, is doing this. You know, some of the, the larger companies out there really understand the, the need for what we're trying to do um, and, and understand the impact that it that can have. And, and so we're, we're really getting good traction. It's now just getting out there and getting the work done. And getting the regulations changed. And the state's been very, very helpful in trying to come up with wording that's appropriate for federal statute so that we can enable this legally and hopefully get Alaska first. Yeah. I mean, this is not, I guess, directly related, but now with this Russia airspace thing, and this is, Oh, it's related. Uh, I mean, Alaska has been the Soviet union time. You know, there was this huge, now that planes can go farther and they've, they've done some improvements on distance, but now I'm looking at the flights of some of these planes and they're having to divert Russia to Asia. So, um, I mean, cargo for, I mean, we're, I think we even saw during COVID, Anchorage became one of the busiest cargo ports in the world. Yeah. And we're absolutely looking at that, Jeff. That's a great point. You know, we, we look at what you could do with Ted Stevens International Airport and you could basically with unmanned air car, unmanned air cargo, you could basically turn the whole state into multiple unmanned air 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 cargo airports and really service international cargo. And you look at uh, automated uh, warehousing, and package transfers, you look, you look at all that kind of infrastructure to support that. There's a real opportunity for Alaska to lead in this. And Fairbanks got jumped right on it. So the Fairbanks North Star Borough actually passed a resolution supporting Fairbanks International Airport becoming a cargo hub for uh, unmanned uh, aircraft operations. Yeah. Oh, wow. That was recently? That was last year, yeah. So how many people are involved in the University of Alaska in the drone kind of program so if for our program and so this doesn't include the folks at uaa and uas and you know some of the other more faculty types we've got about 20 between uaf employees and contractors and um, that group is i like to say we're running a military flight wing as a business in the university so it's the best and worst of all worlds so we have everything from very operationally focused pilots a lot of them are former uh uh Army warrant officers. Yeah, like Army pilots. Exactly. We've got a bunch of engineers who are Air Force by training. We have, of course, all the science talent of the University of Alaska we can tap. And you've got people like Jimmy and myself who, you know, we wouldn't know a military aircraft if if we saw one. Um, So you have really the full range of people and capabilities. That gives us the flexibility and the capability to address these issues because we can do anything from Jimmy working the legislative side to our director of operations, Nick going in and, you know, um, designing an operation to Lee, who was our airframe and power plant mechanic maintaining the aircraft. So we can do the whole mission so, you know, so, from concept to end. So do you have, do you, do you have aircraft now? We, we do. do. We have a full, uh, a full fleet. Yeah. Oh, what, what do you have? What do you have? Well, we have, we have quite a few different smalls that, just various smalls, which is under 55 pound aircraft. And then with our larges, which are considered group three and above, um, we have a 16 foot wingspan, uh, 300 pound twin engine uh, Griffin Aerospace Sea Hunter. And then we have um, a fleet of 
DRS Centuries, which are single-engine, 12-foot uh, wingspan, 400-pound aircraft that we got from the Naval Postgrad School. Like a hangar or something? We do, actually, in Fairbanks International Airport. As of well, June I, 1st, we have a hangar. Yeah, I need to get up we, there. You do, check actually. That, yeah, check that great. out. But when, and, and, you, and you brought up the, the DOD aspects. We're, we're doing quite a bit of DOD as, as well. So we, we definitely see the need of supporting the DOD. I mean, I, I know the cargo and shipping and all that yeah. sounds really good, but I think for me, it, the search and rescue element seems to be one of the maybe most useful applications where people are on a mountain and maybe they maybe you can't get them right away, but you can you can take them something, food or blanket or, you know, um, medical equipment. Yeah, we see the complete potential here. We can find them. We can drop them goods. We can serve as a communications relay. If they're at the base of the valley and their cell phone can't connect, we can send an unmanned aircraft with a communications relay. They can mm-hmm. then serve as a relay. So you can actually communicate at that point. Um, the, the opportunities are important. Um, medical supply. If you happen to have a village that is fogged in, you can't send a normal bush pilot. You can't fly visual flight rules. But we can send an unmanned aircraft in and deliver that needed supply, even though the conditions would prohibit it otherwise. In, in fact, a few years ago when Hawaii had their volcano uh, eruption. Um, oh, Kil- Kilauea? Yep, yep. Department of Interior was able to actually use some drones in that very uh, similar aspect. We've been working with the Department of Interior's uh, lead, Brack Heckowitz, and they had they were able to fly drones in because of the, the, the smoke layer. They couldn't see anything, but they get a drone in there above the person. Ooh. And the person could follow the drone out to safety. It was probably about 20 feet above its head. Yeah, I mean, this is the kind of stuff where these things probably are very expensive, but you're never going to send a person in. Right. But you can, I mean, okay, if you lose some money, that's bad, but like that, nobody's going to die. That's the way we're looking at mm-hmm. this. It's the, the dirty, dull, and dangerous missions out there. You know, let's, let's, let's remove those from, from being in the hands of being a human because that's the risk of human life right there. So, I mean, what, 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 do, you, what do you, I guess, what's, what, how are things going to look in 30 years? Completely different. Um, I mean, you're still going to have people doing general aviation and enjoying flying in the Alaskan airspace, but you are also going to have completely integrated with that unmanned aircraft doing cargo operations, doing pipeline surveillance, you know, flying long distances. Access is just going to be greatly enhanced. I mean, you think about like the ability to, to access Alaska is inhibited by the fact that we don't have roads, right? So just change that paradigm. For a little bit now you can access alaska you can look things at like remote mining because you can access that now you don't have to scar the earth by putting in these roads that generally take long eis application processes now you don't have that as much you have spotted small footprint you can do really develop alaska you can look at things like for like she said logistics search and rescue uh, monitoring all all there's multiple applications but really being able to access alaska i think is going to open up so much more uh, to this state than we've ever seen before. Well, it's exciting. I mean, I, I, I think everybody now is aware of what a drone is, and we all have friends with a drone. Like, my, for example, Kale, he's got the kind of fancy one. Have you seen the um, video of this drone with a flamethrower on it? Have you seen that? Is that what real? is that? Is that real? What is that about? Yes, unfortunately, our team wants one, and I keep telling them no. It's incredible. I mean, it shoots out like a 30, 20, 30-foot 30 flame. So it's... A, we did have we did have one of our researchers do an application similar to that a few years back, um, which uh, I can have Dr. Cahill explain a little bit more. But it was for um, oil oil spill mitigation response, as it was using a, a something I wouldn't say that drastic. They used a flare. They used a flare, but yeah. I want the I want you guys should get the flamethrower drone. That's what the whole team keeps telling me is that we need a flare and we need a the flamethrower. I'm not sure what that would be used for, but it's fun to. Oh, it'd be really cool, with. right? It'd be fun to play with. Right. They also want 
guns and the, you know, the pellet, the um, backfire starters that the mm. DO, um, I use. Yeah. Anything that goes boom, blows up, ignites things. That's fun. The team really wants to be there. I've seen some videos of some of these military drones where they, where they're, they're playing with the ideas of, you know, these weapons on them and they can send them into these places. And it's like, that's a whole other element of it, which is really wild. We were actually to the military drones too. Some of the things we've really interested in is like the unmanned refuelers, right? You look at how taxed our refueling wing is up, mm-hmm. up at Ilesit and, and there's an asset right there that could really help them. Right, alleviate some of their their overtaxing, and then there are some places where you really do want things to go boom, and those are counter unmanned aircraft operations. And what happens is if somebody is there and they, it's a terrorist attack, or it's somebody who's in the way of your uh, flights coming in and out, that you can actually take that aircraft out of the air. And so there's a lot of testing going on in the military to protect bases and critical infrastructure like power plants. And so counter drone is a whole aspect. And of course, our team wants to do any type of, they can get anywhere near counter drone. Um, we're, we're all in. The challenge is only five agencies have the authority to press the button because mm-hmm. there's too high a risk of collateral damage. Well, Israel has, it's not drone, but it's Iron Dome, which is, mm-hmm. you know, shooting down those, those rockets. Um, the other one I can think of is here in Juneau, and I think in South, South, South Central they do it too, but they have the helicopter which drops the, the bombs and for the avalanche mitigation, which I think the person who does that does not, I mean, they don't want to lose that job. That'd be well, fun, but dropping little you know bombs over the mountain to trigger avalanches. Well, people actually have done that from unmanned aircraft. The challenge is the person who actually does it has to be an explosive ordinance expert to be able to get the license to do that drop, but it has been done in Colorado. Wow. And we're now using unmanned aircraft here in Alaska to look at avalanche potential so it's this is in conjunction with department of transportation and where is the snow deep where do you need to use the howitzer in order to bring it down we've just done some really nice case studies up uh, attican pass and we'll be doing alieska ski resort in not too distant future so is is the right now are they is the military or search and rescue are they using on, on like drones for search, search is that an application that's happening right now or not not really it's an application that's happening um the, the permitting can be challenging it, if you're flying outside the, of restricted airspace and it depends on the agency so like the military isn't going to use predator to go look for somebody in the domestically mm-hmm. it's, it's probably just too expensive for them to do that i, I gotta give a real quick shout out to uh it's lifeguard life life med and guardian i actually need to sign up for this again but for the folks listening, I don't know if you guys know if you, it's like a hundred bucks a year. It's pretty much pretty much nothing, and if you're stuck ever in a situation in the, in the bush or hiking, it's it's cost nothing, and they'll come they'll come get you, and you don't got to pay for it, which costs you know fifty grand or some crazy amount of money. So I've just my friend worked at uh, LifeMed, and and they told me about this thing a couple of years ago, and it's it's like so cheap. It's like a hundred bucks a year. It's like good insurance. <laughs> it is the if you're ever going to be remote or rural, and you because because. What I've been told is always, if you can call the coast, call the army or the coast guard because they don't they don't bill you. But but if you call Life Matter Guardian, um, they might bill. You know, and the insurance doesn't always pick that up. But for the folks listening, you can get these really cheap insurance policies for I think hundred and some dollars. If you're going to be out there in rural Alaska or hiking or something where you know you get even, even take, a, take or, a sat phone too, take a sat phone. Yeah, or those little they have those new garment those garment yeah. you can text and yeah and that so. Yeah, the, I just the drone thing is so it's just so fascinating because it's one of those things that until you know relatively recently nobody really th- thought about it and now everybody knows what a drone is and they think about you know Am- I think Amazon's been one of the ones people think about they want to have a fleet of these drones which drop 
packages off. And they're already doing that, I think, in some... Um, they, they, loosely. Like, loosely. Yeah. They have some test areas. Yeah, like, and we've, we've, we've done similar to them in, in that same regard. Um, I don't know how I feel about that. I don't, it's, it's a like long weird way. thing over my house, and it like comes down, we're, and somebody's going to maybe kick it or something or break it. What? I would say we're not pushing that, the door-to-door. What we really are looking at is look at the applications that are currently happening with manned aviation, right? Look at your point-to-point deliveries, things like that, things that you can actually make a difference with first. And so the answer is, yes, we poke fun at the Virginia test site that does the popsicles delivery. Um, oh, you know, this definitely yeah. is a need, not a want, and so we focus on the want. Um, but I'm with you. I don't want somebody flying over my house on a regular basis with a small unmanned aircraft. I don't care how quiet it is. I've had people before a couple of times, I think we've all seen these drones flying around and they get kind of, one, one time I had one pretty close to my house. I had no idea who was operating it and there was definitely a camera on it and I was getting pretty upset, but it was out, out of reach of being, being able to disable it. But, um, and, and don't, you'll get in a lot of trouble. They're officially yeah. aircraft, according to the FAA, so you can not, get. Not that I was just to be clear. Not that I was going to do that. <laughs> I'm just saving done. you there, right there. So, 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 Kale, years ago, we went to the, the. This is Anchorage. We were in an area um, in Chester Creek. No, no, it was sorry, Campbell Creek area, and there was a bunch of homeless. It was back then. There was a huge amount of homeless camps. So we got some drone footage, and it was he was pretty high up, but but somebody saw it and they started throwing like stuff at it. And he had, he had, it was just about, he's like, yeah, we're, we're done. <laughs> Cause he has one of the really big, I don't know if you I think he has an inspires. It's, it's a huge big case and yeah. it's probably three feet by three feet. And it's, you know, I think it costs yes. the camera. I mean, the drone itself costs thousands of maybe 10,000. And then he has a camera, which he puts it, which is a really high um, quality video camera where you get kind of some of the, we did some of these videos in Fairbanks. Actually, we were there in 2018 doing some race profiles and we got downtown at Fairbanks and we got, the uh, chain we got the river and we got some areas outside of Fairbanks and people were, I mean, people were like, wow, you know, we've never, a lot of folks in Fairbanks told me they've never seen that kind of footage before. Yep. I mean, it's a function of permissions and having the right equipment. And I have to laugh because when unmanned aircraft really first became a thing in the 2014, 2015 uh, area, the Alaska state legislature actually was very proactive and they put together a whole guide on using drones. And so it had. Yeah, I, I, I think Kale might have. He was involved in that with some of the legislators. Kind of, they were asking questions about it. Yeah. So, but one of the great things was, you know, you don't want to shoot it down because of the federal statute, and it could be up to twenty years and two hundred thousand dollars. But the other thing they said is, you don't know whether it's somebody's toy or it's a drone with a commercial hundred thousand dollar camera on it. And of course, what would be the last thing you would see? It would be you shooting it. So you would be responsible ah, for I that hundred thousand. Yeah, I see that. But it was good advice, I thought. And, and you know, with Kale and his really good camera, that would be a situation where you really don't want to have shot that down. Yeah, no, I mean, there's been situations, I've read articles where people have shot at the drones and all, not just in Alaska, but other places. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's, you know, I think some of them have been shot down, actually, by people who are like, get off, get off my lawn. Yeah, yeah. The, but the, my, my airspace. Yeah, we've heard, we, we hear that. We do hear that one. And, and we actually were trying to mitigate against that in terms of we don't, we we don't want to be that disruptor, right? We don't, we don't want that attitude. So how do you, how do you introduce these in a way that you don't create that attitude and that distrust for what can be a really good serviceable tool for the industry? Well, I mean, it sounds really exciting and I think it's, it's definitely an emerging industry and I'm sure you guys are going to be here in Juneau a lot more frequently. I, I would imagine. You come down a lot. Um, I didn't come down for years, and this year it looks like I, it's going to be four times. When I was in high school, I ski raced, so I used to come to Eagle Crest all the time, but no, I definitely been a while since I 
been back and forth to Juno. We go to DC quite a bit, but uh, not. This is a little more recent coming to Juno. Much different than, than Eagle Crest. Yeah, it's a little bit different than Eagle Crest. I like Eagle Crest. A lot, a lot of snow this year. <laughs> yeah, a lot of snow. Well, if, if folks are interested in learning about more about them, I assume there's a website or they can... There's a website, and if you just uh, go ahead and Google A-C-U-A-S-I, we will come up. Okay, and you're right now more based in Fairbanks, it sounds like, right? Predominantly, but we do do operations across the state, and we do have partners across the state. Okay, well, I need to get up there over the summer and check out all these drones. You are more than welcome. Can I fly, can I fly one? Kathy just gave me the head shake. Like, well, no, well, you're, de- you're, you're definitely going to get on the simulator. That ain't going to be a problem. You'll okay. Be, yeah, right. yeah. We'll get you in the hangar, get you on the simulator. Uh, we might have some tiny whoops. You can do the, the, the library Yeah, we can ones. do some little tiny ones in the, in the, inside the hangar. Um, how many people ask you if, if visitors say, can I fly it? A lot. <laughs> Although when they <laughs> see... Kathy's it, like, oh, God, <laughs> stop. When they see the big ones, the answer is most of them don't actually they, they say that. They get scared. They get a little, they're, they're, they're big. I mean, they're, they're planes, so... But Kale, with the little ones, oh heck yes! Everybody wants to fly one. Kale's big inspire. He's he's got yeah. the neck, you know. That it's like he's around his neck and the big you know, the controller and the iPad and yep. It's just it's really it's really awesome. Yeah, so we've got some trailers that we have for our big ones that you know, horse trailers. That our guys go in and fly. So this is almost like a predator type. Somebody's in a in a little. We've got control. The ground, ground control station is what we yeah. call it. Um, but yeah, we're nowhere near as big a predator. For example, a Reaper is a 55, sorry, 66 foot wingspan. Yeah. Predator's about 55, 56. There's that cool scene in, uh, uh, oh, what's the Matthew McConaughey movie? Interstellar. Yeah, yeah. Have you seen where they, they land the drone and they T takes it and it's flying, zipping around? Oh. That's a thing, Predator drone, isn't it? Yeah, and, and we, since we've brought up Predator so much, I, I want to give a, a nice plug to our, our, our contractor, Unmanned Systems Alaska. His, his parent company, Battlespace, they fly uh, Predator and Reaper for. Uh, the Air Force, and in fact, uh, it's called Battle Space. Yeah, they're they're based out of Crystal City, uh, so they're so they're a DC company. It's a cool name. Yeah, <laughs> Battle Space. Yeah, yeah. But, Space Force. But um, <laughs> but uh, our our contractor Greg Foskey was one of the first people to ever fly Predator. He brought it up from from the from when Army right mm-hmm. when through the inception from Army, and then they passed it off to the Air Force. So. We're, we're pretty proud of, of, of him and that program. So. And then we have to give, of course, a big shout out to the Gray Eagles of Fort Wainwright. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Which is the most advanced of the Predator Reaper series. Well, it was great talking to both of you. I think this drone stuff's very interesting and it's something we're all kind of paying attention to. So thanks for coming in. And I'm sure we're going to be hearing, hearing more from uh, the University of Alaska drone. drone. What, what's the acronym again? Aquasi, A-C-U-A-S-I. What's that, Alaska's? Alaska Center for Unmanned Aircraft Systems Integration. Yeah, you got, ooh, that's a big one. Yeah, and it has, it has an RTD&E for research, development, test, and evaluation at oh, the oh, end. Oh, no. Oh, yeah, we yeah, got, yes, yeah. we got named by a retired four-star Air Force general, and, yeah, they, they, and it shows. They love those things. That nobody yeah, right. know, They know the acronym, but yeah. no one knows what it means. So, Okay, well, I appreciate uh, talking to both of you, Jimmy Parrish and Kathy, Professor Kathy Cahill, and we'll uh, do this again sometime. And I, I'm coming up to Fairbanks this summer, so I'll have to coordinate that with, with both of you, and I want to I wanna see the... We look the big ones. We look forward to showing you the big ones and thank you for your time. Okay. Thanks a lot, both of you, for yep. coming in. Yep. Thank you much. Yep. Folks, if you have an idea for a podcast or want to do a podcast, get a hold of me and stay tuned for the next one. Landline.